Welcome to Platform Church Rested Life Conversations. Platform is a young, dynamic, multidimensional church. We offer inspirational, practical, and relevant teaching that is applicable for your daily living. At Platform, our teaching is relevant to people of all ages, race, color, nationality, and of different socioeconomic backgrounds. At Platform Church, we believe that the rested life is a reality for us. For more information, visit platformchurch.co.za. Enjoy the Rested Life Conversations. Now, here is your host, Darlington Steve. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you because indeed you are God of the Rested Life. We appreciate you, Father, Olo, for a time again for us to gather at your presence, for us to look into your word. We thank you, Father, because every time there is a breaking of a day, Father, we know that your mercy endures forever. We thank you because, O oh Lord, you make sure that as long as the earth remains, man has possibility of growing from one stage to another. And so, therefore, Father, Lord, we've come tonight in this very particular service called Mind Shift. Lord, I pray that this moment, everyone that is currently streaming right now and those that will be streaming later, Father, let their mind be shifted into the reality that enforces for justice and judgment in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that anyone that is out of the line right now, I ask, O oh Lord, for mercy to speak on behalf of them. I call for mercy to align them this season. And I ask that God, the grace that passeth all human understanding, the peace of God uh, that man cannot fathom when it enters into man, let that same peace begin to navigate your sons and your daughters in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak through my mouth. Let your people be blessed this day. Let their mind be shift. Open eyes, uh, let veil be brought down, and let doors that have been closed and gate barricaded, let them be opened speedily in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because we know that this is done. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And God's people say, Amen. All right, family, uh, without wasting much of our time, um, we've been looking from since on the first of this very particular month, we've been considering a very, a very great deal of, of, of justice and judgment. Um, we have all our anchor scriptures that we've looked from the book of Psalm chapter 82 from verse 1 to verse 8. And then also we look at um, Proverbs chapter 21 from verse 3. Majority of the scripture you have them. And if you don't, if you, if you could not participate on that prayer and fasting days, I want to encourage you to go. There are testimonies that we share and people are still sharing their testimonies. And I know too well that you will not be left out this season in the name of Jesus. And so based on that, so the Holy Spirit has been working a particular concept or probably an idea that he wants me to pass across. And part of that very particular idea is something that we're going to be looking, um, I'll use the word maybe today and Sunday and next week, Thursday. Hopefully if I couldn't finish it by Sunday. And it's, it's ability for us to begin to have some certain perspectives that guarantees for us to be able to execute justice and judgment. Because the truth of it is the fact that one of the things I've noticed is the fact that many of us, just because we feel we are born again, we have the right or probably we have the autonomous power of God. But there are some certain perspective, there are some certain um, 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 T's and C's, as it's been called in South Africa. There are some certain T's and C's that you need to be able to align yourself for you to be able to execute justice and judgment as to whenever you need it, literally. And so based on that, we are going to be looking at our core text, and I'm also be looking at two core scriptures. Then after that, I'm going to be giving you the point of focus about, about if I'm not mistaken, about eight points of focus for us to be able to just meditate on it. Maybe for somebody that will be the aha 
that will peel the veil of your face. And so let's look at our text of Psalm 82 from verse 1 to verse 8. Psalm 82 from verse 1 to verse 8. It says, God seated in the congregation of the mighty. He judged among the gods. I've explained several times without number that this very particular place where God has been seen as God of judgment. He has been seen as God of justice. One of the things that I want you to understand is the fact that God, as much as he's a loving father, he's also a judging father. As much as he's a loving father, he's also a man that takes or recompense um, what you call any evil that has been done to his children. He is not the father that will just fold his hand and watch his beloved sons and daughters being abused or being attacked or be destroyed by the plans of the devil. He is so good to the point that your own righteousness is a filthy rag before him. That is how good and just God is. It says so in verse 2. It says, how long will he judge unjustly? It's talking about uh, what is making us not to be able to do what we need to do properly. Now, when we talk about the statement of justice and judgment, the ability for us to be able to put wisdom, ideas, solutions, uh, come up with grandiose of dexterity, um, what you call mindset, that seems to answer the decay of this very particular world. But now we are going to be looking today on other different dimensions of what enforces this very particular justice and judgment. In our says in verse 3, he said, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. He said, deliver the poor and the needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. So which means God understands that there are people that are very wicked. So don't, be, don't, don't, don't become too emotional when you hear Pastor Darlington says, okay, there are wicked people on planet Earth. God also himself is saying, he says, get rid of people who are in the hand of the wicked ones. It says, for they know not, neither will they understand. It's talking about us, the judge. It says, they walk in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. We walk in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth. How do we walk in darkness? Which means we've left a particular perspective, or we left a particular ideology, or a particular scene, or a pattern, or something that is of God that has made the earth to be out of course. I was saying to a particular young man a few hours ago, and um, I think I posted something that has to do with Bishop David Biomen, and I was sharing the same story with my wife. Now, just because you have a certain perspective of some certain people believe and faith does not mean that that is not a reality for those people. Now, that's your perspective. God has his own perspective of his dealings that he wants to do on planet Earth. And so I remember this man was saying that this very particular prayer, you people are praying that if the prayer is genuine, cool, uh, how come that, uh, what's it called, Nigeria would have been heaven on earth kind of experience. And my simple answer for me, sometimes I pray God to give me wisdom to answer people in the way that I can, in, the, in my own little knowledge. And I said to him, I said, see, we need to get to the point where we need to respect each other's religion, culture, traditions, and stuff. But in you respecting my, and I respect yours, please don't insult mine. Just because it is not a reality for you doesn't mean that it's not a reality for me literally doesn't mean it's not a reality for me and so i was making him to understand i said i know how my country nigeria is if not for god that country would have been self-exploded self-exploded the wickedness in that country even the devil has gone on holiday he's gone on holiday when it comes to nigeria he's gone on holiday the desperation and wickedness of an average person in that very particular country called nigeria it is very high and so God was saying now that the earth is out of course. And so also here he says in verse 6, he said, I have given, he said, I have said you, you are God. He says, and all of you children of the most high. In verse 8, he now says, arise, O God, and judge the earth. 
It says, For thou shalt inherit all nations. It says, For thou shalt inherit all nations. God is looking at you and I for us to come with justice and judgment. But it must be at a particular level that we are about to unveil this moment. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3. Proverbs 21 verse 3. It says, To do justice and judgment is more acceptable than sacrifice. What does it mean then? If we can do justice and judgment properly, we don't need sacrifice for us to now begin to appeal to some certain things that are not needed. The reason why we come for sacrifice is because we are trying to, for lack of better word, bend the hand of God for some certain things to happen in our lives. Because if you follow his laid down principle, his laid down precept, you follow according to his will, there is no way you would need sacrifice. Many a times when we come to appeal from a standpoint of sacrifice is because we desperately need something that we know that we've negated some certain principle that needed to be engaged for that thing to become a reality. And so based on that this morning, I want you to understand that for God's standpoint, as we his children, he has called us to a place of justice and judgment. The place of justice. He says the earth is out of course. They knew not, neither do they understand. They walk in darkness. He say all the foundation of the earth, they've gone a wire. Why? We are going to look into it very soon. Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 12. As we look into our core two scriptures, that will take us into my point this season. Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 12. It's a long read. You'll bear with me because I want to bring out some certain principles and some certain things that God himself was making us to see at this very particular scripture. He says here, I'm reading from the King James Version. He said, the word of, the, the word of Jeremiah, the son of Hekeliah, it says, of the priest that were in Anatot, in the land of Benjamin. It says, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, the king of Judah. It says, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It says, it came, to, it, um, it came also in the days of Joachim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. It says, unto them carried away of Jerusalem captive. I want you to mark that very particular scripture in verse 3. It says, unto them, these people in, in Jerusalem, they were carried into a particular place as captive. Which means that there is, there is a war that has happened that they made them lose their place. Why did they lose their place? What are the factors that guarantees this losing? And why this man called Jeremiah, his, his, his call of God was very preeminent and also important at that very particular season. He now says here in verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, this is Jeremiah now saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, it says, I knew thee. It says, And before thou comest from the womb, it says, I sanctified thee. That sanctified there in the New Testament is what we look as holiness. It says, I have sanctified thee. It says, I ordained thee a prophet unto nation. It says, before, he was saying, before I formed thee in the belly, which means what is making us to understand four things that are very, what's it called, core in this very particular scripture as we begin to go down, is number one is the fact that God knows you. Oh yes, God knows you. Just because the earth is out of course uh, and you are not taking your rightful place in justice and judgment of, or for example, for lack of a better word, taking avenge on the things of darkness that has buffeted the body of Christ and also buffeted your market doesn't mean that God does not know you. 
He says, before I form you, I know you, which means uh, you existed before you manifested on earth. You existed before. He knows you better than you know yourself. You only have a knowledge of your existence here on planet earth, but before earth, you existed before. That was why after what you called um, what you, um, death capture with man, um, if you notice for us as believers, we don't say we die, we sleep, which means we translate back into the original state where we were before for believers. But for unbelievers, obviously, you translate back into what you think you were before, and boom, you find yourself in hell. So number one is the fact that God knows you. God knows you. He knows your name. He knows your location. He knows your experience. You are the one that is thinking that maybe God has forgotten you. No, he knows. Remember for this man called Jeremiah. Jeremiah has been taken into a place that the Bible says that they were in captivity. So I'm here to tell somebody this moment that regardless of how messed your circumstances look like, regardless of how dark the area where you are currently staying or your life look like, I'm here to make you understand this, that God knows you at that place. God sees you at that place. God can bail you out of that circumstances. He can change your situations and give you the best of the best. You don't need to shortcut yourself because you want to fit into a certain circle. Right in that circle where you are, he knows you. And I declare that every darkness that has hold you bound, that after this service is over, you will see God manifest upon your life in the name of Jesus. Number two is the fact that God approved of you. Oh yes, he approved of you. How do I know he approved of you? Because you are alive. He says in the book of, and that same, that same verse, verse 5 from the Amplified, from the Amplified, he says, he said, before I formed you in your womb, he says, I knew you and I approved of you. The reason why you are still alive is because God have approved of you. So in case if you are doubting, did God approve of me? Yes, you are still alive. So him approving you because you are still alive now make us to understand uh, the third point, uh, what this very particular scripture is making us to see is the fact that God thinks of you. <laughs> he thinks of you. I want somebody to just put your hand on your chest and say, God is thinking of me. <laughs> you know, these are kind of understanding that begins to give you some certain oomph and power and energy for you to enter into your marketplace and begin to obstruct the systems that are barricading you from moving forward. God is thinking of you. He has a clear picture of you and the worries that you are currently going through. He has a clear picture of you. And number four is the fact that God has a destination plan with your name on it, which means God sees you. As much as he knows you, he still sees you. As much as he has approved of you, he's still thinking of you. And I pray this morning that no matter how disadvantaged your circumstances lose, no matter how back how your back is on the ground, that as far as you are going to avail yourself to this very particular point you are going to look at, you will come out from that background in the name of Jesus. One of the things that I've said several times in this very particular commission, is the fact that your background does not matter when it has to do with God. In fact, in this kingdom, your background is an advantage if only you align yourself to kingdom principle. He now says in verse 6, remember I'm reading to verse 11. He said, then said, ha, now this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. He said, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, he says, say not that I'm a child. He said, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. He says, and whatever I commanded thee, thou shalt speak indirectly. Whatever I commanded you, you would do judgment with that. He says, be not afraid of their faces. He says, for I am going to be with thee to deliver the seed, the Lord of hosts. 
at this very particular level two things for me concerning jeremiah especially in verse 6 there it says and the guy cried and says or either he was having a negotiation he was having a reasoning a mind thinking with god like we are doing right now on mind shift thursday it says for i'm a child and i can't speak two things was very strong in that jeremiah statement because sometimes we just read the scripture, we, we don't take time to process the behind the scene for what makes this guy to think the way he thinks. He says, number one, he says, I cannot speak. What is he doing? He has considered his limitation as bigger than God's advantage for him. He considered his limitation. He says, I cannot speak. Indirectly, he has seen himself as being limited. There are many of us, regardless of how the grandeur of the promises of God is, Many of us are seeing ourselves based on our limitation and not based on the investment of Christ on our inside. Number one, it says, I cannot speak. He has allowed his limitation. He has allowed his environment. He has allowed the things around him to shrink his mind. And his mind has been put in a place where he is looking at his limitation, forgetting that he's standing before the king of kings. Number two is the fact that we see, he says that for I am a child. Indirectly, number two, his thinking pattern has changed everything concerning him. Which means his thinking pattern. God is saying that you are the lion, the tribe of Judah. He, God is saying in the book of Psalm chapter 82 that ye are gods. That the reason why the earth is out of course is because you refuse to take your place as a god. But yet you are saying, I'm a child. Because why? You've allowed the thinking pattern. You've allowed the, what you call the Goliath. You've allowed the, the, the Delilahs and all the Pharisees and the Sadducees to make you see yourself as a child. And so based on that, he actually has two things that was at his disadvantage. Number one was the way he sees himself. And number two was the way he's thinking about himself. Then we now say in verse 9. Verse 9 of that same scripture, he says, See, then the Lord put his hand upon him and touched his mouth. He says, and the Lord said unto me, behold, I've put my word in thy mouth. He says, see, I have set thee this day over nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build up and to plant. He said, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? <laughs> Do you notice that from verse 6, Jeremiah see himself as a child? But because God want to make sure that he's seen which is the limitation of the things around him. Ask him, what seest thou? And Jeremiah said, I see an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto him, he said, thou hast sinned well, for I will hasten to perform. Let me say something as I begin to get into my core text, I mean my core of this very particular scripture. If Jeremiah did not see the way God sees, his ability for him to execute judgment, to pull down, to throw down, ability to destroy, ability to do judgment, justice will not be in view. He has to see what God sees. And this is one of the biggest problems most times uh, that we struggle as believers in the body of Christ. We are not seeing the way God sees and yet we want to be able to execute judgment the way God wants it to be executed. We have to see the way God sees. We have to think the way God thinks. We have to be able to understand that for his power to find expression in our lives, there must be some certain level of seeing as he sees and thinking as he thinks. And so my second scripture this moment, my second scripture this moment, from the book of Matthew chapter 17, from verse 24 to 27. Now we've looked about God talking to Jeremiah. We want to look about his son talking to Peter. His son talking to Peter. 
Matthew chapter 17, 24 to 27. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 17, 24 to 27. It says here, it says, When they arrive in Capernaum, the collectors of half a shekel, the temple task, tax, sorry, it says, went up to Peter and says, Does not your teacher pay half shekel? And he answered, Yes. Which means indirectly, Jesus paid tax. So, so please, you people pay your tax. Stop inventing S-A-R-S. That's what we call it in South Africa. South Africa Revenue Service. I think that's the name. Yes. Pay your tax. Stop invading tax. <laughs> you know, as I'm saying this in my mind, <laughs> I remember what is happening currently now in the nation, especially with our president. And um, with, with, with this, you know, they say innocent until proven guilty. I choose to be part of that because I'm also a law-abiding citizen. But I think one of the things other political parties are complaining and trying to fight this man is the fact that, fight our president, is the fact that the money found in your place, why was it not accounted for? How come taxes not aware? How come? Justifiable question, let's be honest. Justifiable question. How come such, such a huge amount of money is done? Where is the tax part of it? So Jesus here yeah, paid his tax. He paid tax. He now says, and now let's go back to 25. He answered and said, yes. He says, when he came home, Jesus spoke to him about it first, saying, what do you think, Simon? Jesus was asking Simon a question of thinking. Many of us, we come to church or we do this church business with our thinking capacity out of the way. Jesus was asking Simon, imagine Jesus asking Simon a thinking about SARS. Let's just bring it to South Africa, a thinking about tax. He was asking Simon, so which means Jesus was so current to the point that he understand the dealings of what is happening in his economy. He was that current. He makes sure that his perspective of the king, thy kingdom come on earth does not exclude him from the reality of what he's facing on planet earth. Then the Bible now says, he says, he asked Simon, what do you think? He says, from whom do the earthly rulers collect duties or tribute from? Their own sons or from others? Verse 26, and Peter answered and said, he said, from others, not of their own family, Jesus said to him. He says, then the son are exempt. He said, however, in order to give offense and to cause them to stumble, that is, to cause them to justly, I mean, to judge unfavorably and unjustly, he says, do down. He said, go down to sea and throw a hook. Take the first fish that come out of it. Open its mouth and you will find a shekel. He said, give it. He said, take it. Give it to them. Pay your tax and also pay my own tax. But if you notice this very particular, Jesus asked something that is very important to Peter. He says, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because if Peter's thinking can be in line with Jesus' thinking, he will not be out of the possibility of what Jesus and what he could do by aligning himself with Jesus. And so one of the things I put here, I say, what you think determines the justice and the judgment, you will pull on on this very particular ground. What you think determines the justice and the judgment. What you think determines how you run your life. What you think reveals the truth that is on your inside. Many of us, our thinking patterns reveal the truth that we carry on our inside. Our actions that we literally bring out is a product of our thinking. Is a product of our thinking. Is a product of our thinking. And we are going to be asking ourselves a genuine question this night. A question of what do you think about X, Y, and Z. And so based on that this moment, Matthew chapter 8 from verse 27 to 30. Matthew 8, 27 to 30. This is Jesus again asking a question to Peter. The Bible says, um, and Jesus went out 
and his disciple into the town of Caesarea in the Philippine. It says, and by, way, by the way, he asked his disciples, saying among them, who do men say I am? Indirectly, Jesus was interested in what thinking is sponsoring these people reality concerning me. And see, let me say this to you. I know we have this very particular encouraging statement that people, that, that, which is a good thing, that don't mind people, they, they, they have their own thinking, but they, whatever they think concerning it doesn't matter, it's what you think about yourself that matters. As truthful and as very good as that statement is, please hear me and hear me well, it is also not correct. Because if somebody out there have a wrong perception of you, if somebody out there have a wrong idea of who you are, they think less of who you are, I bet you, imagine if that person has to recommend you for promotion, what is going to happen? So which means you must trust God tonight in your mindset as you go in your place of prayer, Lord, whatever wrong perceptions and whatever wrong thinking people carry concerning me, Lord, let that thinking fall to ground. It is very important because if somebody believes that you are a arm robber, and yet they want to come and employ you to work in their company. Oh, you, do you think it's possible? Me, your pastor, let me, let me use myself. Me, your pastor. With all the image and likeness of God I have in my mind and all the nice teaching I've taught you. And all of a sudden, someone now tell me that you are a criminal. And you think I'm going to bring you to my... And guess what? That is the person thinking concerning you. But that's the person I know that knows you. I don't know you. I only know the person that knows you. Why do you think that when you want to go and employ... When, when the company wants to employ you, the company do some serious due diligence whereby they go ask you to give them three references to get to conclude concerning you. Imagine the three references you gave to that very particular company and they have a wrong thinking concerning you. You think you'll get a job? Jesus was so smart. He was asking. Imagine this is Jesus asking so that you don't then begin to feel that you are all that. Calm down. Jesus was the one asking this question. He says, what do men say that I am? He says, and he answered and says, People think that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you are just one other guy. Others say that you are one of the prophets. Do you see how the people thinking were scattered? No wonder they could not receive of Jesus. Because why? Their thinking concerning Jesus was all scattered out, out everywhere. Jesus now look and say, Okay, Peter, whom do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art Christ. The moment Peter have a correct thinking about Jesus, no wonder it was his thinking that sponsors the reality of the church that you and I are. And Jesus now said to him, he said, based on this thinking pattern, based on this revelation of me that you know, I will build my church. My dear, there's some certain building that will not happen in your life if your thinking is not in line with God's thinking. Ah, I'll say it again. There's some certain reality you can't pull off. There are some certain mysteries in this kingdom you will not be able to enter if your thinking is not as God thinks. Now hear me, I'm not talking about your thinking as the world thinks. You want to pull thy kingdom on earth. It has to be his thinking on earth. And so Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And so with that being said, my family, I want you to understand this, that there is a huge difference between conventional seeing and also thinking. And also there is a huge difference between biblical seeing and biblical thinking. That the world has their own way on how they see things. The world has their own way of how they think about things. And so also the Bible also has its own way on how it sees a particular thing and how they, they, what you call, they think of a particular thing. 
if you want to be able to enforce justice and judgment on planet Earth, you must discipline yourself for you to see how God sees that thing. And also for you to think how God thinks about that very particular thing. As we all understand, Jesus was saying to this very particular disciple, was saying to Peter, he says, see, in this kingdom where we are, the way we think is not the way these world people think. The way we think is not the way they think. And so based on that, I want to understand how you think so that we can be able to route the possibilities that needed to be done. And so based on that, we've actually seen about 50 years, and, and, and we've seen 50 years of wrong predictions that has happened. 50 years of it, of incorrect thinking patterns and predictions that has come on planet Earth. Because why? The people thinking or the people pattern of thought and color their reality and they say nonsense that could not come to pass. One of them is the fact that in 1989, I think I have a few of them. There are 50 of them. You can go Google it. It's there. There are 50 of them. But I just want to pick some certain things so that you could see how people thinking pattern has a long way to go. In 1989, the UN warned that the entire world, he said the entire nation will be wiped off of the face of the earth by 2020 from global warming. We are in 2022. The entire world, which means 22 years has come and gone. The UN by themselves, they are the one who says in 1989, thinking. Because they have a wrong thinking. I remember that very particular year, 2020. Yo, no, not 2000. 2000. Everybody thought that the earth is coming to an end. I was sharing the story. My wife was even saying that even here in South Africa, it was the same thing. Nigeria, yo, I saw people who were busy selling their properties. Some people were, it was just, it was just crazy. Why? Because UN predicted UN come with their own earthly thought. They didn't take that very particular thought from the Bible. And because God judged, God ruled in the kingdom of men, he controls the earth, not UN, not African Union, not Reserve Bank, not whatever you want to call it. It comes from God himself. And so that frustrated the plan. In 2014, apparently it was predicted that only 500 days before climate chaos will come in. We've seen the, the, also in that prediction in 1968, they said there will be overpopulation will spread worldwide. No wonder we see, what's the name of this guy? You and I know his name. I don't want to mention his name. We see all the nonsense of bed control strategy they are trying to do, thinking that the earth is overpopulated. The earth is not populated. There is a lot of bush. For instance, I remember, let me use the place I know I drive all the time. Between Port Elizabeth and Grahamstown, there is a lot of forest. Nobody is living on that very particular place. And you say the earth is overpopulated. How? If at even you, from your house to your office, there is empty land you are still seeing, how is it overpopulated? Wrong thinking brings out unnecessary fear that we don't need. In 1970, it was also said that the world would use up all its natural resources. If in 1970 to use up all natural resources, that's almost close to about 40 years, if I'm not mistaken now. But guess what? I mean, more than 40 years, yeah? But guess what? We still have people still doing mining business. Some people are still doing crude oil business. Abba, calm down. In 1966, they says that the oil will go out of and out in 10 years' time. So which means in 1976, there should be no oil, but yet we still have oil. In 1972, they say the oil is going to deplete in 20 years from that time. 1972 to 2022, calculate it, how many years is it? But the oil is still there to the point that we are even trying to get Russia to supply us oil. May God forgive us, Africa. In 2020, I mean in 2000, they said children wouldn't know what the snow looked like. I've seen, in fact, my children have seen snow. 
I'm giving you all the statistics for you to understand that your thinking has a long way in you realizing all that God won for you. And so based on this very particular reality, we see you can write this down, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 4 to verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 4 to verse 7. We see Paul, the apostle, he was talking about this concept of food sacrificing to idol. And, and I know what this very particular thing was coming. I, I laugh because I know, I know this is just a thinking where they make it look as if this very particular food sacrifice to idol is so, is so unique to the point that if you eat that very particular food, you are going to die. Paul, the apostle, says it's nonsense. That is just a figmentation of somebody's thought to think that food sacrifice to idols, that that very particular food is powerful. It's there. You can read it from your NIV. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 4 to 7, which means food sacrifice to idols is nothing. As a believer, you cannot, I'm not saying then go start eating, go and look for food that is sacrificed to idols and start eating those very particular things and cool. If your revelation accepts the truth, let me say this, this is me, your pastor. I'm saying it from my own standpoint. I've eaten food sacrificed to idols and I'm still alive. Because why? My thinking does not permit it. I'm not saying go and do it. There's the reality of the truth that I know. <laughs> because the moment you begin to sponsor, remember what brought Job down? It was his fear. It was not the fact that the enemy was stronger. It was his fear that brought him down. The devil was just busy, just hanging around his neighborhood. He invited the devil by the fear. Many of us have invited things into our life by our thinking of fear. And yet we are now seeing the reality and wondering, what the hell is happening? And so with that being said, please and please, I want you to understand something. As we begin to look at a core perspective in executing justice and judgment, we are going to be looking at today core point is how you think. How you think. Indirectly, we're going to be processing our thinking. If our thinking will be right, justice and judgment will be right. We saw Jesus, I mean God himself, was trying to fight and help a particular man in the Bible. You and I know his name is called Abraham. Abraham, when Lot left him in the book of Genesis chapter 13 from verse 14 to 18, Genesis 13, 14 to 18, when Lot left him, the Bible says all of a sudden, this man began to look at himself as a chicken. He begins to think that Lot is the whole, con what's called Lot is the best thing after sliced in his life. He's beginning to forget the promise God gave him in the book of Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1 to verse 3, that he actually obeyed. God did not ask him to carry Lot. He took Lot. Lot now become a lot of problem for him. Many of us, we have a lot of Lot in our life that has become lot of problem. It is time for you to let Lot go. Because the lot are making your thinking to change. And the Bible says when Lot left, all of a sudden God now said to Abraham, he said, because I can see that your focus is changing and I can see that your thinking pattern is changing. And God did what I call a readjustment strategy for him. And he says to him, Abraham, he says, yes. He says, look from the place where you are, not look at the place where you are, which means God was changing his sight not his physical eye, his eyes of his understanding. Look from the place, because why? Abraham at this level was looking at the place where he is, and so all of a sudden, fears and limitations are beginning to come in. Just like Jeremiah was saying that I'm a child, and I cannot talk, because why? He was looking at the environment where he was. The same thing, and God now said to him, walk northward, southward, east, west, westward, walk up and down. It says, for whatever you see indirectly, what your mind can process and capture, it says, then I will give it unto you. And the Bible says, I like, let's read verse 17, Genesis 13, 17. The Bible now says, it says, arise and walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it. It says, for I will give 
unto you indirectly what your eyes can see and what you can think I will give unto you. Now this is the result of Abraham thinking and seeing. This is the result in verse 18. The Bible says, And Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mephra. It says, which is in Hebron. And he built an altar unto the Lord. Hear me. If you can see and can think as God, your tent will move from the current space where you are into the place God wants you to operate in. When Abraham thinking and his seeing was in line with what God was seeing, he could not stay at the small place. He moved into a bigger space. He took a step of faith because why? His eyes of his understanding, his mind being enlightened, has captured the reality of what it is in heaven. No wonder the Bible says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness. Now as I begin to go, I want you to understand this. That if you can see it well, if you can think it well, and hear me, in the lenses of Christ, not you. In the eyes of Christ, not you. In the eyes of Christ, not your environment, not your bank account, not what your friends are saying to you. But if you can see it as God sees it, your tent will literally move from where you are to the place that you ought to be. Now let's begin to look at some thinking perspective. Number one, my question to you this day. What do you think about your origin? What do you think about your origin? Do you think that we are created or do you think that we evolved? Because most times the thinking about your, your origin determines how you are going to pull your effect on planet Earth. What you think about your origin will determine the way you will behave and the kind of view you will, life about, you will have about life at an animal. What do you think? We've seen how animals are being protected than even human beings. Because why? A lot of people believe that man evolved from one, you know, whatever that guy name is. I remember the name just a few minutes now. The thing just disappeared from my head now. Whatever that guy name is who says that we evolved from, from I don't know what animal he says we came from. Self. I refuse because I'm not from the baby. his own family and his generation. Definitely not from me. How do I know? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image, which means you came from God, not from animals. The reason why, because of, I mean, the reason why we think the way we think concerning human and concerning our origin is because we already have a contradictory proposal that has been dropped on the table. They've made us to feel that we are from animals. In fact, we have a lot of philosophers, and I'm going to be mentioning some of them today, that they believe that the reason why you cannot be able to, to for lack of a better word, you cannot be able to kill rhino, you can't kill chicken, you can't kill this, is because they believe that we came from animals, and so animals are superior to man. But they forget to understand that when God was creating the system, when God was creating the system of production, he made sure that the food was available before man comes in. Not that that very particular thing will override man, but man rule and dominate over those very particular things. What do you think about your origin? Do you believe that you are from an ape? In fact, let me even bring one, one of the origin. I've seen that happen as African traditional belief system. Some people believe that, they, that, that they are their grandmother who decided to... <laughs> <laughs> their grandmother who decided to come back again. And so because of that, you now hear a name called Abike, which means this one, if you, the mother has gone, she has come back. You begin to hear names, some strange name. If your meaning of your name is mama has arrived, then just know that there is a certain belief system. It, I don't know about your country, my country, Nigeria. We have some strange name. You hear name like Baba Tunde. 
indirectly, which means the father that is dead is the, so which means your origin is not from God. Your origin is from the father who left and came back. And you wonder why you are behaving like your father who left. Because why? Your mindset and how you think about your origin determines what you pull off. You hear Babatunde, you hear Yaloja, you hear some certain names that is currently peddling. Because why? The way you think about your origin determines how you will be able to execute justice and judgment. If you think that you are from animal, obviously you will live below the expectations. Of, you will live lower than an animal because animal, animal will look as if it's the, it's the upgraded version of you. You are just the less of it. One philosopher says, and I want to quote this philosopher properly. One philosopher says here, he says, they say if you think that you are above an animal, he says that is ego. He says, but if you think that you are with animal, he says now that is eco-friendly. What kind of distorted thought is that? That's why many of us, we've gone on public, that's what I believe, we've gone on public holiday in terms of eating chicken or eating meat because in your mind, oh boy, if I eat this very particular thing, it's going to finish. People have been eating it before you were born. The thing is still there. Calm down. People have been eating chicken, eating beef, eating whatever. It's been, they've been eating it before you were born. Don't stop, 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 stop taking secularism and trying to justify what do you think about your origin? What do you think? We saw this thing almost, almost overshadow the life of Peter. When Peter was about to go to the centurion, where, 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 where God asked him to go. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him when he was trying to have a rest. The book of Acts of the Apostles chapter 10. And it says, eat of this very particular thing. And Peter says, we cannot eat of this an abomination. And God asked him, who, who give you the right to cause some type of abomination? Who give you that we cannot eat of this very particular thing? No, eat it all. It was created for your eating. It was created for your eating. There is a naturalist. His name is known as David Attenborough. David Attenborough is a naturalist. He says this. This is, I think I've watched one of his programs on, on, I think what is it, Natural Geography, they call it. The guy says this, and I'll quote exactly how he says. He says, humans are like plagues on earth. He said they need to be controlled by limiting population growth. Can you imagine? Because why? He believes that we're from animals. He says, human. He says they are like a plague on planet earth. They need to be controlled. They need to be controlled. We also see another one also. His name is known as David Foreman. David Foreman. He was a leader of a group called the Earth Fest. David Foreman was the leader of a group called Earth Fest. This is what he said, and I'm going to quote it exactly. He says, when an organism multiplies without restraint, it is called biological nuisance. He says, when the cell grow out of control, it is cancer. He says, within nature, people are cancer upon the planet. <laughs> Somebody say, God forbid. Because that is not you. You are not a cancer. Now, these are people whereby they've decided not to think of their origin. Where do you come from? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, you say you are created in the image and likeness of God. You are created in the image and likeness of God. Animals are given right, but not humans. You kill a rhino, you go to life in prison. You kill human beings, they only give you community sentence with a possible parole. Do you see how people thinking about origins? Is beginning to change. You kill a rhino, you find yourself that they are giving you 12 years in prison. Kill human beings in six more time, you're back on the street. How our justice system is also messed up because why? They've accepted a certain beliefs, a certain thinking pattern of the origin where you come from. My question again, I need to ask you for you to execute justice and judgment, how do you think about your origin?
As I begin to bring my point one to a close, I want you to understand something. They say that we may come from chimpanzee because they say we share 98% trait, but they forget to understand that as banana, a banana, we share 50% trait with banana. How come they did not compare us to the connection with banana, but to animal? Origin thinking. They say we, the reason why we look like chimpanzees is because we share 98%. But go and check, do a, do a research. Human and banana share 50% trait. But yet we chop, why did I call it in Nigeria? Yet we chop banana, but you're asking us not to chop meat. Don't let me slap that, that theory out of your mouth. With that being said, I want you to understand this. It's the fact that a man called David Kahneman, he wrote a book called Fast and Slow Thinking. He said this, and I'm going to say, he says, the reliable way of making people believe in falsehood. Hear this statement, because this is exactly what media is doing. That's why when we prayed on Tuesday, so that you can then begin to partner with gospel people to change the narratives. Look at what he said. He says, the reliable way of making people believe in falsehood is to frequently and repetitively, uh, uh, sorry, frequently and repetitively show a particular product easily. He said people will not be able to distinguish the truth from false. Why? Because the more they keep pumping it into your head, the more they keep pumping that very particular falsehood, before you know what is going on, you accept it as the truth. Point number two, what do you think about truth? What do you think about truth? What do we think about truth? When we talk about this in the book of John chapter 18, you know, when I read this very particular scripture, it quite shocked me whereby even the king that was prosecuting me, his name is called Pilate. You can read it in John chapter 18 um, from verse 1 to the end, but I'm going to read from verse 35 and 38 from the Living Bible. John chapter 18, 35 to 38. He says, as they were prosecuting Jesus, he says, I am, I am a Jew, Pilate retorted. He says, your own people and your chiefs, priests, brought you here. What have you done? Jesus answered, I am not, I am not an earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought, he says, when I was arrested by the Jewish leader. But my kingdom is not in this world. Pilate replied, but you are the king of them. He said, yes. He says, I was born for this purpose. Look at the purpose. He says, I came to bring truth to the world and all those who love the truth are my followers. Now, the king, the president, which is Pilate, asked him, what is truth? And that is exactly what we're currently seeing in our days and time. People are asking a question that you wonder, what is truth? Now, we begin to see that truth is no more truth according to the dealings of the scripture. Truth is now based on your feelings and emotions. We see people now negotiating truth that if you can feel it, then it is the truth. If you don't feel it, then it is not. <laughs> As I'm even saying it, but that's exactly what is happening currently. If you can feel it, then it's the truth. So which means now we then begin to see how the society become, when the Bible says that the earth is out of course and the earth is decayed, is because why we are now beginning to re-edit what the truth is. The truth of the fact, one big example I'm going to give, the truth of the fact that when a baby is in the womb, a woman who just who is believing God for the fruit of the womb, and the woman just got that baby, pa, the moment the baby is in the womb, it is called a baby, not a fetus. Not a fetus. But the moment the woman does not want that baby, all of a sudden that baby changed from becoming a baby to a fetus. It's like, no, it's just a fetus. How easy it is. Because you want to, from the standpoint of your feelings, 
from the standpoint of your emotion, have you noticed that when a woman falls pregnant, they don't ask, they don't say to woman, congratulations, no, congratulations on your fetus. They tell you congratulations on the baby you are carrying. But the moment they don't want the baby, they change the narratives. And they call that very particular thing they were congratulating called baby. It changed to a fetus. Why? So that it can accommodate the feelings and emotions. What do you think about the word truth? What is truth to you? What is truth to you? This king in verse 38 of John chapter 18, he asked this, he asked Jesus, what is truth? The same thing we are currently finding around our space. We are finding leaders currently now, they don't even know what is the truth. That repairing road is the truth of what to do. All of a sudden, they, they are looking for emotional justification to judge the truth. And just to make sure that they stay based on feelings and, and emotions. What is truth? The Bible says in the book of John chapter 8 verse 32. It says the truth you know is what makes you free. It goes, the truth means the truth is the making and progress. The truth you know is what makes you free. Many of us have, we, 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 we are now accommodating the secularism kind of thinking as a truth. Just because I feel it. And do you notice something? That because you feel that you want to be prosperous, does not mean that you're going to be prosperous. Your feeling does not guarantee prosperity. You have to walk the walk. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, it says, see as thou a man diligent in his business. Diligence is the truth there. Many of us think, it's a, that's why we see what you call this, this, this demonic mindset called entitlement mentality. That people just because they don't feel that they are born of a woman, they are entitled to prosperity. You are not entitled to it. Just because you feel that I'm a person, I'm entitled. No, you are not. I'm sorry, you are not. This is hard truth. You are not. If you are not going to wake up and go labor yourself six to six, dependent on your level of your certificate. If you don't even have certificate, then welcome to hard labor. That's all I will say. And it's the truth of life. It is not an emotional blackmail. It's the truth. You cannot just because, just, you, know, you know, when I, when I think of this in our life, you cannot just because you find a foreigner in your country and the foreigner is doing well, then you wake up one morning. You, because you feel that the foreigner is making progress and not making progress, you now feel entitled that they owe you the job they are doing. Really? Really? Okay, calm down. Calm down. George Martins, he wrote a book called The Clash of a King. Let's look at what he says. He wrote a book called The Clash of a King and is the author of this very particular, you all know this game called The Game of Thrones. He says this, and I quote, he said, people often claim to hunger for the truth. He said, but when the truth is served to them, they don't like the taste of it. We want the truth. Oh, President Ramaphosa, you must tell us the truth and stuff. The people sitting, talking about tell us the truth, turn the thing against them. They want to come from start of emotion. Oh, this person, you must see, calm down. No matter how much your feelings will come into the place, the truth is what makes sets you free. The truth may kill you, but at least you know you died justified. Knowing to that I did not cut corner, I stay with the truth of God's word. The ability for you to understand that the truth is bigger than your feelings and emotion. One example also we've seen with the whole issue of divorce. Divorce, for instance, has become a prominent thing, I mean, a prominent work that is happening around the society. You just find somebody just entering into a marriage. You ask them, no, no quarrel, no, no attack, no abuse, no nothing, nothing. What happened? We grow apart. <laughs> you grow apart, you see, yes. The same way you grow apart, growing apart. Go come back inside. What, what grow? So you can grow apart, you can't grow in part. Why? Because people are now judging marriage from the standpoint of feeling. If I don't feel it, if I don't, if I don't feel love, if I don't feel this thing, because see, let me say this: your emotions are a liar. 
They are a product of circumstances and events around your life. Your emotions are a big liar. They are a product of circumstances. Do you know how your emotions lie? Let me give you an example. If I tell you today that I am, or maybe some, for example, somebody come and meet you for EG. I'm going to use one of the family of rest. Somebody come and meet you and say to you, Mamumpo, Darlington says he's going to kill you tomorrow. Do you know that you've not heard from me? Your emotions will kick in. You will begin to find every technology and every devices to protect yourself. But all of a sudden, that same minute, because you did not know that I was coming, and I meet you, Mamumpo, and I says to you, and you tell me, but they say you want to kill me. You point gun and say, me, kill you. Why? What nonsense is that now? What business do I have in killing you? Do you notice that right there, that emotions that is trying to become, what you call it, Russian and Ukraine bomb weapon and stuff, that emotions die there. Emotions are product of event. Many of us were even dealing with the things of God based on emotion. If I don't feel about it, if I don't feel like giving, I don't give. If I don't feel like serving, I don't serve. If I don't feel like going to church, I don't go to church. If I don't feel like doing, because why? Your feelings will always contradict the truth of God's word. It will always. The moment you find yourself, what is the truth of God's word? That is what you should stay on and not to be going by feelings and emotions. It says here in the book of John chapter 1 verse 14. It says the word become flesh. It says and he dwelt among us. We see him the glory, the one, the only son from the father. He said he is full of what? Grace and truth. If you want to be Christ-like, my question to you is what do you think about the truth? You cannot accept grace and forget truth because they all come together. They are like married couple. You cannot invite me, darling, for dinner without me coming with my, with my hand luggage. It's called my wife. We will come together. There is no way. We appear. You can't separate. If at the moment you say, no, darling, come alone. Don't come with your wife. That's the more reason I'm coming with her. Because we are one. He says Jesus is full of grace and truth. The grace is the benefit of what, what he has done for you. The truth is the application to take the benefit of what he has made available for you. The grace is the benefit of what he did for you. The truth is your principal application that guarantees you to take the benefit that is here. Many of us are trying to approach God from a sensory point of view. From a feelings point of view, from an emotional point of view, but not from a standpoint of truth. Jonathan Haidt, an American psychologist, say this. I want to say this. American psychologist Jonathan Haidt, he says, emotional tale, he says, the emotional tales, he says, he waged the rational dog. Anyone who valued truth should stop worshiping reasons. Anyone who values truth. If you value truth, stop worshiping reasoning. Many of us, if it's not going to, if we don't feel it. That's why most times all these charlatans in the body of Christ, they try to put some certain sensationalism. To, they add drama because they know that you like the emotions. So they have to find drama, put wheelchair on the altar. Try to act, tell somebody as you are coming, begin to shout this one. Because why they know that if they can package you with all those sensationalism, you will say Jesus is here, he's powerful powerful as simple as this very particular message i'm bringing this is the power of christ but you will not fall <laughs> because it's not based on feeling it is the truth of god's word it says in the book of second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 it says study to show thyself approved a workman that needed not to be ashamed he says something that's very important he says, rightly dividing the word of truth 
So which means uh, you cannot use feelings and emotion to divide the word of truth. You must rightly divide it. It has nothing to do with your emotions. It has nothing to do with your feelings. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he said, for all scripture at God's breath, he said, it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. He says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be able to produce good judgment and justice? You must be able to ask yourself the question, what do I think about the word truth? We also see with Frederick. His name is Frederick, the German philosopher. He says this. He says, people are now saying that there is no truth or fact. He says that it's only interpretation. He says, meaning, what you feel or think is the truth. And what they, I mean, that is why we see our society losing its reality and can't judge accurately. Because why? We only now begin to feel. We don't think what is truth. About gender. Let's even look at the whole concept of gender. What do, we, what do you think about the truth of gender? The Bible, even science itself, let's, let's come down to science first before I go to the Bible. Science itself says that there is only two genders, male or female. But because somebody feel that, no, I am, you know, you people have those plenty words, those whatever, LGBTQITS, whatever plus. Feelings. All of that is all based on feelings. It's all based on emotions. I know that I'm standing on a public platform. It's okay, but this is the truth. I'm not going to now negate the truth because I have to consider your feelings. No. God created male and female. He says he created he them. Not feelings and emotions he created. He created male and female. Hard truth, but swallow it. The only reason why the medication will work for you is because this is the prescription the doctor gave you for your headache. Take it and take it with pride. Stop complaining. You wake up all every morning. Somebody just wake up and tell you, you know what, the other day I was trying to... Um, I was trying to create a form, and somebody was saying to me that no, you need to create a, a what you call you need to create a space for, for, for the other genders. I say, hey, guy, calm down. It's male or female, case class, no others. Are you a male or a female? Click one. And me, I make sure that when I do those forms, the two, male or female, is a priority. You can't skip it, otherwise the form will not be sent. That's the truth. I can't bend the truth because of your emotions. No. The truth I know is what set me free, not your feelings that you want to project to me. I remember one time during the days where this this buhaha that is currently happening in society came in. And this very particular guy, I think he came to my business premises that time in dexterity. And for strange reason, I don't know, the guy, the devil who slapped the guy does make him to now begin to look at me and think that, imagine a man looking at me as a man. Are you mad? I don't understand. Like, what do you drink? Like, I don't know. So the guy was now looking at me and the guy was now trying to approach me, blah, 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 and was, you, you know, <coughs> Father, thank you that I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm saying that, that's my truth. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. But guess what? When he was talking, this is the angle that I made him. Because at that moment, I think South African law was protecting these very particular people. It's okay. That's the law. We have to respect the law. But this is what I have against the law. I have my own right also to say against the law. If these guys have rights to come and approach me, I also have rights to say no to them. The same way when I approach my wife, my wife has right to say no to me. So you can't tell me because of their emotions and feeling. When I say no to them, it's hate speech or it's abuse. Or you are, you are doing gen what, no, gender. Calm down, man. You are not that important. Okay. If your opposite sex is not going to say, because you reject me, I'm not complaining. Then you are now you. Chill, I beg. I don't know how I get there. 
But I'm saying my question to you one more time. If you want to judge this month, you want to be able to get results in justice and judgment in the all mountains of influence, you must be able to think and ask yourself your question, what do I know about the truth? Number three, quickly. What do you think about right and wrong? What do you think about right and wrong? What do you think about right and wrong? Is there anything called right and wrong anymore? Or is just everybody just going with life? And everybody's going on with life. You also have that very particular thinking that God is looking at you that, see, I have right, I have wrong. Me, God, I have right, I have wrong. He makes us to understand that I hate this and I love this. So which means he has something that is right, he has something that is wrong. So for you to be able to judge properly, there are some of you, the mountain of influence you're currently occupying, you can tell these are devils. But you cannot judge properly because you have accepted what is wrong as right. And what is right that you know, you are now beginning to interpret it from a standpoint of feelings. And yet you think you will judge properly. You won't. You won't. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 25. It says there is a way that seems right to a man. It says but that way is a way of death. Just because the thing seems right is not right. It is wrong. There is a way that seems right to a man. But that very particular way is the way of death. Romans chapter 6 verse 21. It says and what was this result that you have? You say, you are now ashamed of this that you currently have. Because at the end of it, it is now become a thing of eternal doom. Why? We have now blurred the line between right and wrong. Between right. I remember somebody once said to me about this whole robotic system they are beginning to bring. And says the robotic, they are going to clone me, put myself into the, whatever nonsense we are saying. Just to make sure that if I say, okay, fine, I don't want to join what you call same-sex marriage. The robot would just say, forget it, it's going to happen. You guys will deport me, it's fine. I'm saying it because I know this is an online platform. It's okay. You guys will deport me, it's fine. I'm not joining. Nonsense. Never. It's not going to happen. You have right to go and meet other people to join. But Darlington, Steve, calm down. God created male and female. That's the only, my constitution is the Bible. That's all. And that Bible override the constitution of this land. If the constitution say I must join them, then they must find another pastor. Must it be me? Find the one that will accommodate your ah, not me. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Proverbs chapter 21. I mean, Proverbs 12, verse 15. He said, There's a way that he said, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. He <laughs> says, But a wise man listening to counsel. Counsel has been brought this morning so that you can be able to judge properly. It says only fool will see this right thing and still neglect it. I will probably still leave it away. The ways of a fool is right in his own eyes. But wise men, you know, most of the times when the Holy Spirit was dealing with me with this very particular service we're doing tonight, he made me to understand point blank that the reason my people are not, are not working improperly to take all that belongs to them is because they don't think the way I think. Do you think that when God look at wrong, he's, he's saying, no, this one is right. Or when God look at the buhaha that is happening, when he look at how he created man, when he look about truth, when he look about what is right, do you think that he is thinking like you? And yet you want to be able to pull his possibility on planet Earth with your wrong thinking? No. 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 It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And we also see when it comes to that very particular point, when God was giving us the right and wrong, one of the big ones we can talk about is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was not shrink because a lot of people say, no, but we don't live under the law and stuff. We still live, we see there are some certain laws that govern us. Even it's called the grace of law. It's there. 
Jesus Christ, when the, the, the disciple was asking Jesus Christ, they were asking him that should we obey the Ten Commandments and stuff? He said, yes, it has been modernized. In two words, love the Lord thy God and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love the Lord thy God, number one, you will serve no other God. If you love the Lord thy God, number two, you will not have any grieving image against God. If you love the Lord thy God, you will not make the name of, take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. If you serve the Lord, if you, what you call, honor the Lord thy God, you will remember to keep his day only. For example, your, his day is today's Thursday and Sunday. Keep it holy. So, all those things Jesus said, it has been shrinked to become true. If you love the Lord thy God, you will not have a God before him. You will not. You will not be able to create any grieving. Now, all these things are wrong in the sight of God. When you now begin to have another God before him, you finish service. After you finish service, you are sending that young ass, what's it called? I need you to give me magic ring. And you think you'll be able to judge properly? You can't. You can't. Let's be honest. Let's stop deceiving ourselves on this. If you want to do God, do God. If you want to do devil, do devil. At least be dedicated to something and give it the whole of your life. I tell people, I say, if you want to serve God, serve God. If you want to serve devil, serve devil. But at least let each of them know that you serve them well. And you paid the price in serving them well. If you want to serve devil, serve devil. Go there, do it right. No, stop all these mixed masala. That's why you're having a running stomach. You're having, you are seeing things one minute, you are going this way, next minute you are going this way. No. When he talks about the Ten Commandments, we see number five. We say, honor your mother and your father. The ability for you to honor. If you don't then honor, it is wrong. Honoring, make right. He says also, thou shalt not kill. Which means he wants us to protect human life. But we see currently now, the way people are busy, I think this just a few minutes ago, some, some, some certain, what's it called, shooting happened in Ruvania, they call it, or something like that. In one of the club, of what's it called, Tasha's. On what grounds? On what grounds? This is human being. Now, that person, I bet you, he will go to prison. In three months' time, he'll be back on the street walking. But let the person kill Rhino. You'll be shocked. They'll give him 12 years in prison. Because somebody is greedy. They want to make sure that that Rhino horn, they sell the Rhino horn and make more money. You see, the lust of men. The lust of men. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. If you love thy neighbor as thyself, you will leave people's wife alone. Let me say, you will leave people's wife alone. The lady is not your wife. Oh boy, leave the girl alone. Go and get married first. That is wrong. He says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, if I'm not mistaken. He says, marriage is honorable, bed on the fire, woman, and adulterers, God will judge. And you are wondering, you go to, I know there is grace, but can we talk about truth? Let's talk about truth here. I know that, yes, you committed fornication and adultery. The grace of God has forgiven you. You are hearing this message, and yet, after service, you are still typing the guy, oh boy, the weather is cold. Come and sleep in my house. Are you okay? Who slapped you? And yet, you are saying, God, judge my company. I want to be promoted, and God is looking at you. You just slept with somebody that is not your husband or your wife. And you are saying, I should judge your company. It ain't going to happen. I will judge you first. Because it says that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, they say, one more grand after God will judge him himself, will judge that people first. He also said, thou shalt not bear fault witness. Indirectly, you don't have to lie. Stop lying. Things you don't know. You are telling stories. Uh, the way you even tell the story, even people who write generation, they don't even tell a story like that. You lie on the story to the point that generation writers, they're looking at you, oh boy. I think you're supposed to come and write for us here. He says also, thou shalt not steal, which means things that doesn't belong to you. Don't go on beginning to. The, your salary is 10,000 rand. You are the accountant. Stop adding extra one zero. Then tomorrow you are coming to me, pastor. Pastor, I have a court case. Please pray for me. Supernatural intervention. God help you. You tell me the truth. I'm not praying. Go and, go and face the prison time. I will come from there. We will pray. But at least experience the consequence of your action. Huh? Then finally, number 10, he says, thou shalt not covet. Which means, 
Covert means wanting something that doesn't belong to you. Nigeria will call it Ojukokoro. Ojukokoro, you have eyes for things that is not yours. Stay on your lane. If you have Unoka, man, polish your Unoka. If all you have at this season of your life is your legacy bends. My friend, make sure that your legacy bends is well structured. You go to the gym to make sure that your legacy bends is serviced properly by keeping fit. Then you walk your two hours journey to your church or walk your two hours journey to your office. That's a level of your life. Don't go and begin to want to covet cars that is not your own. You see everybody car on the road. You are laying hand on the car. I covet this car. I receive this car. Do you know what they do to get the car? Huh? My question to you again on this very particular point number three. What do you think that is right or wrong? Number four, quickly, because my time is already running out. Number four. What do you think about God? 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 Do you know that the same God that is God of love is the same God of hate? Because many of us, the church will preach about God who loves us. But forget to understand that there is a dimension of God that is a judge in God. Psalm chapter 82 that we've just read. The Bible says God seated in the circumference of himself and he judges among the gods. So there is a judging dimension of God. For you to know that God is a God of judge, he also judges sin. As much as he loves the sinners, he judged the sin. He judged the sin in the life of the sinner. We get to see in the book of Proverbs chapter 18. I mean Proverbs 8 verse 13. Proverbs 8 verse 13. He said to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Then he says, I hate arrogance, I hate evil conduct, and I hate a perverse speech. <laughs> God, the one that is a loving, because we've talked about the loving side of God. See, one of the things I, I'm going to say with this very particular point here, when you begin to think that God is a God that you will have to come and give account of the things that you have done with your life, I promise you to make you to be very diligent and accurate in your relationship with him. The reason why is because we're the church, we've, we've almost make it look as if there is no consequence for actions that you've done. Our preaching now, void of, void of consequence and actions, void of it. Grace, we have preached grace as escapism to nonsense. Let me say this, to, say this to help somebody. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment not to sin. It's an empower, it empowers you not to do those things. What do you think about God? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, it says, All a man's ways are pure in his own eyes. He says, But his motives are weighed by God. God weighs our motive. What is your thinking about him? As much as he's a merciful father. Do you notice that in Psalm chapter 136, it says there that his mercies endures forever, but he judgeth. His mercies endureth forever, but he killeth. He messes up, but guy, calm down. Chill. Your dimensions of your thinking about God will make you be responsible with your relationship with him. It's called a mind shift Thursday. To help you to change your thinking when you want to deal with him. God is a just God. He's a just God. Isaiah chapter 127 to 28. Isaiah 127 to 28. Because I want to show you from the scripture. He says, Zion shall be redeemed with what? With judgment. He says, and her convert with righteousness. It says, and the destructions of the transgressor and of the sinner shall be together. The destruction, as much as he's a loving father, he hates sin. 
as much as he's a loving father, he hates wrong dealings. As much as a loving father, he hates when you don't obey his laws, instructions, and principles. He hates them. If he hates them, why don't you align yourself to the things that he likes so that you can compel his hand for the dealings of your life? He hates them. God is a just God. How do I know? Isaiah chapter 61 verse 8. He said, for I know, he said, for the, he said, for the love, no, sorry, for I, the Lord, I love judgment. He said, but I hate robbery of burnt offering. I love judgment, but I hate robbery. The only place I can think, for instance, in your dealings with God. No, because the grace of God is always available. And all of a sudden, you want some certain grandeur. You want the all of God to happen for the all of you. But yet, you don't want to give God the all of you. When it comes to your givings in church, for example, your tithe. He says 10% of it belongs to the church. But there are some of you, you know too well, that you are not even giving 0.1%. But yet, you want him to rebuke the father for your sake. He says, yeah, I hate burnt offering rob robbery. I hate it. That the moment you don't do that, you just rob him. And yet, you are calling him for him to take justice and judgment for your finance. And he looked at you. If I really want to take justice and judgment for you, ne? you, you might lose the job. You might, because why? The same job that I bless you with, where is my own part? Where is my own covenant partnership with you on this part? He says, I hate robbery for burnt offering. Job chapter 34, verse 12. Isaiah 61, verse 8. Now we're reading Job, 40, Job 34, 12. He says, yes, surely God will not do wickedly. He says, neither will the almighty pervert judgment, which means he can't be bribed, but he will be judged. He can be bribed, but you will be judged. You can be bribed, but you will be judged. What do you know about God? What do you understand about him? Is this something that you just feel is a figmentation of your thought? Because if you know more about God and you have an understanding and your thinking pattern about him, you will pursue holiness. You will pursue after righteousness. You will pursue after living a life of Christ. Cutting corners and all those very particular things, you will stop it. I know that many of us, we are walking these dimensions of grace. Obviously, even myself too. I'm walking it. The more I know of these things, the more I express myself to the dealings of God, the more I begin to shed some certain things that is not... That's why when you see us command some certain level of command, do we command? It's because there's some certain aspect of our life we have let go. That this one does not go in line with God. So because of that, we die here. We were not going to do corner cutting. No. We are not going to find shortcut that will make us begin to carry knife and begin to cut ourselves. Because why? That is what you will get as the judgment for you trying to pursue after the worldly system. The Bible says, Let the, it says, only the fool say there is no God. There is God. Behind every move, there is a mover. And behind every shake, there is a shaker. Quickly, because of my time. Point number five. What do you think about sex and marriage? What do you think about sex and marriage. What do you think about sex and marriage? How do we think about marriage? Many have entered into marriage for just the ability of legal sex. We are all now, we are now busy redefining the concept of marriage. You will see man to man getting married, woman to woman getting married, and yet they are going to adopt a child. Or You, 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 you know what the drama they do, because let's not go there. You know what the drama they do. All of a sudden, I think in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, there is another new marriage thing that I find out. It is known as polyamorous. Polyamorous. Yeah, that's the name. Polyamorous marriage. What does that mean? It means that three people can come together and marry. Huh? <laughs> How? And guess what? Even with the church, you and I, we're already adjusting our thinking to that. 
we are adjusting. And yet we want to be able to give righteous justice and judgment. And yet we are not, we are not truthful about this reality that we see. Just because it's their right for them to do what they want to do does not mean that it's not your right also for you to talk to make them see that what you are doing is wrong. It's also your right to talk. So talk your talk, I talk my talk. Don't now say because I talk you want to hold me ransom. No. You are busy propagating your own gospel. I'm propagating my own gospel. Whichever gospel has the power, it will win. It will win. All of a sudden, I think by the time I was checking this, this thing, just there in California, literally, these three guys, I don't know how they even come together, came together, they got married and they went to adopt a child. Because the all of them, three, three, three. Do you see how when the Bible says that the earth is out of course, this is what it means. It's out of course. Why? You and I who are supposed to be doing the justice, we're not. We're not. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. It says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they both shall become one flesh. A man and a woman. Not a man, a man, a man, a woman, a woman, a woman, or probably whatever you want to call it. A man and a woman. That they both shall become one flesh. Another thing again as we talk about what do you think about sex and marriage. Many people just think that marriage is a legal ground for just sex. Sex alone. Sex is part of the benefit of it. Sex is not the only benefit of it. I've sat down with some certain of some young men and I hear that, no, the only reason I want to get married is because it just, at least so that I know I'm not committed to fornication. I have a woman that I'm having sex with 24-7. I say, are you for real? Really? Is that God's agenda for your life, for your marriage? Then in that case, you're not ready. Because that woman can meet any other person also to have sex with. So sex is not the only issue. It's not the issue. You need to understand that for marriage and sex is for godly. It's a godly offering God gave to us. It's for God's purpose. What is the purpose? What do you think about sex and marriage? If you think that it's just for convenience. One minute you come into it, the next minute. You know also sex and marriage, we have this thing called open marriage. Where the, the husband can go do his own thing, the wife can go do their own thing, but they shouldn't bring the thing in the house. I've heard it. <laughs> hey, it is well. Quickly, point number six, because I'm trying to push for time. Point number six, remember we're looking at perspective in executing justice and judgment. Point number six, what do you think about money, business, and success? What do you think about money, business, and success? Because the truth of it is the fact that people think that people who are rich are greedy. There are people who have a thinking that everybody should be the same on planet Earth. Let me say this, people cannot be the same on planet Earth, let me help you. For those of you, I've forgotten your, you guys' group name. Those ones, these socialism people, the ones who believe that everybody must be equal. That's nonsense. It doesn't happen that way. Even in the realm of the spirit, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three of them know their rank. They know they are lame. They know they are lame. It's not godly. It's not godly that I know that also in the country where I am currently now, there are some certain parties that are pushing. No, everybody must be equal. We all must be one. Everybody must distribute the wealth. Every, so let me say this. If the richest man who happens to be, I think the richest man in South Africa, let me use South Africa. Um, please remind me. Okay, let me let me just be careful. The richest black man in South Africa, Patrice Motepe, right? Help me. If that man would distribute his wealth to everybody on in South Africa, I bet you in less than three months, the man will be rich back again. Because why? All those people who he gives his money to, there is a certain level of understanding that you will carry that can help you maintain that very particular wealth. Many of us are looking forward to have this very particular wealth, money and business. And many of us also have a wrong thinking about this. When you see rich men walking on the street, the first thing that comes to your mind is a rich war killer. And you wonder why you'll be blessed? Never. 
They, you see a church that is prospering and God is blessing them. The first thing you think, they buried, they buried a cow head under the ground. And you think you are going to participate in the blessing the person is carrying? You see a man of God, God has blessed him. You can see proof in his ministry. The first thing you think of, oh boy, that guy, he has gone to, he has gone to Bushiri or he has gone to meet one altar somewhere or he has gone to a grave to go and sleep. That's the first thing you think about. And yet you are wondering why you are not pulling off all the possibility God wants you to pull off. Because your thinking cannot produce right justice and judgment when it is wrong. If your thinking is right, then you align yourself to God kind of thinking. You'll be able to pull off all. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29. It says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? Seest thou a man diligent in his business, not other people's business? Mind your business. Mind your business. If your business is politics, mind it and grow there. If your business is art and culture, mind it and grow there. Stop now going all of a sudden to go and procure other people's business. He said, for such person who mind their business, he says, shall stand before kings and not just ordinary people. I like one of the scriptures that says, not non-entities. Ah! When I saw that one, I said, oh boy, whoever interprets this for this person is wicked. <laughs> First King chapter 11 verse 28. was talking about a man. Um, first King chapter 11 verse 28. It says, now Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. So when Moses noticed that the young man was industrious, he put him in charge of the whole labor of the house of Joseph. The Jeroboam becoming a mighty man was the fact that he was an industrious man. You cannot be, you cannot wake up one morning and expecting what you call this operation to do like people to help you go and submit your CV. That's nonsense. You will never amount to anything called riches. I'm a black man, I can say that part. Never, never. As good as they are trying to do what they are doing, their agenda and their purpose have shifted because they want everybody to be... If you give some... Is it not just South Africa here I know? There are people that I've seen, they give them house, free houses. They go back to government and ask them for stove and bed. Why people can't be the same? What do you think about money, business, and success? Are you part of people who believe that money is evil? It says the love of it that makes it evil, not money is evil. Money can pay bills. Money pay the rentals of your home. Money be able to put food on your table. So money is not evil. If money is evil, that food you are eating tonight is evil. Ah, it is well. Point number seven quickly. Oh Lord, help me push this one. I'm going to be very fast now. What do you think about your church? What do you think about a church? People say the church is full of hypocrisy. That is why they don't go to church. That's an excuse of your laziness. It has nothing to do with the church. It's an excuse of you not trying to be responsible with your spiritual life and your spiritual journey with God. I remember I was preaching somewhere yesterday. I make the people understand. I said, see, the church is it's, it's pure on its own. The people who are doing trading and business in that church, they're the one that can be faulty, but the church, which is God's idea of releasing his potent power, cannot be hypocrite. It cannot be hypocrite. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 8 to verse 11. Ephesians 3, 8 to 11, it says there, although I am less, this is Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle talking. He said, although I am less of all the people, he said, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the, bount the bountless riches of Christ. He says, and to make plain to everyone the administrations of this mystery. He said, which for past was kept hidden in God. He said, who created all things. Verse 10. He says, his intent was that now, was that now, now, where you are now, where you are fighting the church, is that through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, authorities in heavenly realm. He says, according to the eternal purpose that he has accomplished already in Christ Jesus. So no matter how much you say the church is full of people, let me say this about, let me address this, people who just believe that the church is so complete, that people in the church, they are liars and stuff. Even you not going to church, you are a liar. Because there are times that you tell your own children, children, don't do this one right there, you do the other part. So stop this drama of, you know, the church is full of hypocrites and stuff. You yourself, that is a church, you are also an hypocrite. Let me say it so that we help ourselves here. There are talks that you have talked that you did, you, you did not stand to your word. You did not. So before you throw stone to the church, judge yourself first. What do you think about the church? The church is a place where God has orchestrated to be a part of his conduit for him to release the spiritual. Anything outside of the church for God's power is a demonic power. Let me tell you now. No, but I'm not going to church. I'm praying at home and stuff. And yet you tell me that you are operating in the, what's called, in the power of God. You are not operating in the power of God because God cannot contradict himself. God is too intelligent for you to say outside of the church. Let me say this. By the time Paul the apostle got converted, where did he send him to? Back to the church. Ananias the prophet. Send him back to the church. Go to the church. No matter your conviction, no matter, no matter your salvation, if the church is not part of it, because that is God-organized institution for you to be able to enjoy rest as far as this commission mandate is concerned. But outside of the church, you are lying. If you are not a church person and you think you are doing God, already at that moment, you are a hypocrite already. <laughs> Let me help you. You are a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. Acts chapter 20 verse 28. It says, keep watch over yourself and the entire flock of the Holy Spirit, which he has made you overseer. It says, be shepherd of God's church, which he has purchased with his blood. The church called platform has been purchased with God's blood. And so my business for me is to make sure that I align with mature thinking. Now, these are, these are teachings that we don't teach anymore. And because of that, nonsense begins to happen. This kind of teaching will hold me accountable. Me first, let me leave others, me first accountable to stay true, stay righteous, stay sanctified, stay holy. So that at least if you are struggling with something, I can stand and say the God who did it for me can do it for you. The church is God's manifold wisdom upon the face of the earth. Point number eight quickly. I just have to close, leave, leave that part there. Point number eight. What do you think about yourself? What do you think? about yourself are you like jeremiah who says but i'm a child or probably you are like gideon who sees the war that is happening but yet hiding behind the scene the bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 it says you are made complete in christ who is the head of all rulers and authority you say you've been made complete in christ you have been made complete in christ how come you keep looking at yourself as somebody that have less of the things that God wants you to have? Many of us are looking at ourselves based on our circumstances. Many of us are like Abraham. We are looking at what we have. I mean, where we are. Instead of looking from where we are. What are you seeing or what are you thinking about yourself? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7. It says, for as a man thinketh in his heart. For as Darlington thinketh in his heart. For as Kanyisa thinketh in her heart, for as Mamumpo thinketh in her heart, he says, so are you. My question again to you, what are you thinking about yourself? 
First John chapter 4, verse 17. He said, this is how love is made complete among us. So that we have this confidence that on the day of judgment, that in this world, we are like Jesus. Do you see yourself as Jesus? Or do you see yourself as the world sees you? If the world sees you as a failure, you may not be able to pull righteous justice and judgment as far as the earth is concerned. Finally, in just two minutes, I know my time is gone. What do you see about Christ Jesus? What do you think about Christ Jesus? What do you think? Do you see him as your savior or your defender? Or do you see him as just one of the prophets? Or do you see him as Elias or Elijah? Or do you see him as your way, your truth, and your life? John chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way to your business. The truth to financial rest. The life that produces light that lighted the whole world. What do you think about Jesus? My dear sisters and brothers, if your thinking is not in line with Christ, if you don't think as Christ think, and you don't see as Christ see, the possibility of you pulling off the, the what you call the judgment and justice in your media or in your mountain may not be in view. Today is being said, family. I want you to understand this. The book of Colossians chapter 1 in closing. Chapter 1 from verse 12 to 17. It says, uh, Colossians 1, 12 to 17. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which he had made us meet to be a partaker of the inheritance of the set in light. He said, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So it means we've been translated by who? By Jesus. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He says, for by him were all things created. He says, that is in heaven, in earth, visible and invisible. He said, whether they be thrones, dominion, principalities, power. He says, all things were created by him and for him. He says, and before all things. He says, and by him, all things consist. My final question to ask you this morning. I mean, this evening, our perspective for justice and judgment. What do you think about Jesus? Is it the author and finisher of your faith? Or just a figmentation of a thought? Or is just that guy that when I need him, I will come and see him. But for now, he should leave me alone. Wherever you are this moment, because my time is fast gone, I just want you to open your mouth and begin to be genuine with all those nine questions about what do you think? What do you think? The same way Jesus asked Peter, what do you think? In any way that you know that your thinking pattern has been wrong, I want you in just one minute to say, Father, I adjust my mind to think the way heaven think about these things. I adjust my mind. I think like Christ. I stop these biases of secularism and popularity. I stop this thinking of feelings and emotion that is superior to God's idea for my life. I stop this thinking that just governed based on happenings on planet Earth instead of me staying with the truth of what the word of God says. Open your mouth this moment and begin to call for assistance from heaven. Lord, assist me in my thinking. Assist me in my thinking. Let my thinking fall in line with your plan. 
Let my thinking fall in line with your agenda. In any way, Lord, I fall short of my thinking. Lord, help my thinking pattern. Deliver me from my thought. Deliver me from the wrong place that I've currently occupied my mind. Now I know why I am not pulling what I'm supposed to pull. Because my thinking is not right. Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me in any way, Lord. In my sin nature, forgive me. In the effect of the nature of sin that is in me, forgive me. Somebody open your mouth and begin to pray. Vrakosh fila kavreneshi latasa. Havrena kosh fina ratos gevina kopalada shedesi yarat. Havika fanato jeleketisha. Rata gevina talegi karano zedishtaha. Father Lord, we thank you. Everlasting Father, we've come tonight to look at the questions, what do you think? Which is part also, Father, of perspective that we can look in enforcing justice and judgment. Lord, tonight I ask that your Holy Spirit begin to talk to your people in the comfort of their homes in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we're about to bring this service to a close, we ask and we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to minister upon all the sons and daughters that are currently streaming and those that will be streaming later in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone tonight that is believing you for something. Lord, as their thinking pattern begin to adjust to what heaven's agenda is, let there be a speedy answer. Let there be a speedy answer. Thank you, Father, because I know that this is done. To you we give all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. That's all we have for today, but be sure to continue listening to the Rested Life Conversations. At Platform Church, we are all about simplifying the process, providing solutions, and creating realities for you. If this message has blessed you and you want to be a blessing by supporting this ministry, please visit platformchurch.co.za. Platform Church, family of rest.